people want, in this sort of world of technology, people want to see real people, look them in the eye and see whether they trust them. And I think AI and that sort of real, in real life marketing is going to come back in a really interesting way. So I would be predicting, you know, the heavy lifting, you know, let the, let the machine do the job the machine's better at and invest the time in creating, you know, be creating assets that machines can't yet do. Hello and welcome to Performance Marketing Unlocked, the podcast from Performance Marketing World where we crack the code of a new topic each week from TikTok to ChatGPT to the metaverse and PPC. And in the studio today, we have one of my favourite people that I love seeing on the conference floor events, wherever it might be, none other than the CMO of AI Scale-Up Brightford. Kate Cox. Kate is a hugely impressive marketer in the space and one of my favourite people to interview. And we will be cracking the complex and explosive topic of AI. This is Performance Marketing Unlocked. So welcome to the studio, Kate. How are you doing? Yeah, great, great. Thanks for the intro. So I I did actually consult ChatGPT and I was like, okay, write me an intro about Kate and gave me something kind of bland. They also asked it to give me some questions to ask you, and they were also quite dull. So instead, I'm just going to stick to my roots and ask you, what is getting your attention at the moment? Oh, so, I mean, I would say AI, right? (laughs) You'd think. (laughs) You would say AI. So, I mean, the explosive growth of AI, especially in performance marketing, is a really interesting area. So I saw it coming not loads uh, you know it wasn't that many years ago but I saw it coming in about 2021 when speaking to big search marketers and just what they were doing with AI to write ad copy how they were measuring search campaigns and it just struck me that this was a really transformatory technology for many marketing teams um, so you know ChatGPT helped <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that launched 30th of November um, 2022. And that sort of got a lot of people really into it. it you know, the, the, the it is a hype train at the moment. Yes, yeah. Um, Do you but think the hype train's over? Do you think ChatGPT is, people are moving on? Or is it still people I know, are really interested in using that one quite a lot? Uh, well, for ChatGPT, it's, I mean, the the amazing bit about it is the user interface is exactly, so easy, yeah. right? So it's so easy for so many different use cases from, you know, people writing university essays to marketers writing blog posts. Mm-hmm. You know, the way to interact with it is super easy. But I think what I've seen is it sort of unlocked a whole new wave of marketing tools. Um, so since it sort of burst on the scenes, some of them were there, but actually, you know, more and more are launching. So um, I, I monitor a website called There's an AI for that, and it just has all the new AIs. And <laughs> mid-April, there were 380 that had launched in two weeks, right? So it's explosive growth at the moment um, in lots of really interesting different use cases. So a lot of the the AI um, tools are, are sort of tackling different areas of marketing. Mm-hmm. So ChatGPT, I call it the big daddy. <laughs> okay, the big daddy. <laughs> the big daddy of the of the AI scene. But, you know, it, it's moving so fast. Um, and we'll talk about it later. But the whole auto GPT thing is mm. 
are incredible. Mm. So whilst I think it is hyped, I think it's a justifiable hype. And actually, it's quite an interesting place to sit in marketing because it's one of the most impacted sectors by AI. So marketing, um, education and retail, um, I was reading, were the three sectors where it's really impacting quickly. And so you said that, you know, a couple years ago, you saw this rise coming. What can you see coming next? So I think it's it's currently in the efficiency stage, right? So a lot of the tools that are being launched are about making marketing more efficient. It's about saving time. It's about getting teams first drafts of content. It's about mining hundreds of thousands of keywords to figure out intent. It's, you know, it's that sort of real efficiency, time-saving piece. It's not yet sort of hit the making things better piece where you know it's driving efficiency but it's not coming up with new ideas it's not adding it. yet and actually I think in service design and in product design is when it starts getting super interesting and there's some really interesting startups who are trying to figure out how to add value with AI like language um, people trying to learn a language using AI tools you know, it's really embedded in that service design. So it's personalising how you learn and what you need to learn to get better at a language so you can speak it in real life. Oh, God, that'd be helpful, wouldn't it? It's super helpful. A lot of people are like, why do you need to speak in real life now, though? Because AI, won't AI just translate it? So that actually, you know, there's a lot of people trying to launch customer service applications where you speak English the customer service agent is Indian and hears it in an Indian language and speaks Indian back to you and it comes out in English in their voice. So you, you're, you're modulating your voice. So it's some really interesting customer service. But I would say that's definitely an efficiency play. That's about um, making things we've got now even more efficient. And, and I think the interesting bit is what are we going to do with the time that we've saved? Saved. That's a very good question. But I want to hear, before we move on and hear about your ratings of the industry, let's hear a bit more about Brightbid and what you guys do with AI and, and what you do there. So Brightbid, we focus, our use case is paid search. And we've built, we've basically taken an expert paid search marketer and broken down the process of how you do search marketing and then given over the bits that AI does better. So we like to say, never let a human do a machine's job. And there are certain things in um, performance marketing and paid search that actually machines do better, right? So they are better at mining long tail keywords for high value customers. They're better at um, managing keyword lists and looking at conversions over long periods of time. It's just very manual and time consuming if you're not using AI and automation tools. So we've built our own um, unsupervised machine learning models that give um, a paid search marketer more explainability over what's working. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes you get a few black boxes in the industry. So we try and say we unbox the black box and we'll give you a, well, actually, do you know what? Bid adjustments is really working for you. You can get higher value customers if you do this, but you might get lower volumes. How do you want to play that? Because it's always a choice, right? There's always a value volume argument in most marketing decisions. Um, Or it might be 
all your competitors are bidding on your brand search terms um, only on weekdays. They're not at the weekends. Maybe t- turn paid search on when they're bidding so you, you know they don't steal your traffic but don't when they're not so you can get the seo link so there's lots of tricks and games you can play when you're sort of analyzing those big data sets and you're having an expert put a lens over it and give you the insights so it's really sort of supercharging that paid search with some explainability that's cool it does sound quite gamified as well doesn't it you know making all these choices but you say you know, never let a human do a machine's job. Does the reverse also work in this instance? Would you never let a machine or AI do a human's job? Or is that kind of what we're experiencing a phase into? I think I would say I agree with that absolutely now. Right. So I think humans need to train AI. Mm-hmm. You need to know the limits of your training data. So what have you trained the AI to learn on? Because that's actually a really big, important discussion. And I know the sort of open AI discussions about that and how you, how they've sort of created this space. So you need to train the AI. You need to actually have an expert to pull the insights still mm-hmm. um, and figure out where where to really focus the AI next and where its learning should should really focus on. It's still in that stage, but the whole... You know, auto GPT, we talked about where you're training the AI to self-learn and pull tasks together. That's at its infancy. And that's very interesting, right? I mean, so many interesting examples of how that works. You can train it to build a website and you give it the code and it'll go off and find images. It'll build a database. It'll learn Python. If you give it your access code, so if you've got um, admin to a lot of these tools and you give it the access your access codes it will go off and build it in your name but I think we're still at a point where you're going to have to be an expert coder to really oversee that process right it's not yet for the novices on the street mm-hmm. yeah it hasn't got the UI that the chat GPT had which is allows people to interact with it in a really intuitive way you're going to have to know if there's bugs in the code and you're going to have to, whilst it can fix it, you want to have some oversight of how that's working. But I think that's really super interesting. It's a really interesting development about how this could work in the future and how AI could be, well, I mean, it's, it, it, it is a transformative technology. Let's hear a little of your ratings in the industry. So we've asked you to bring one thing you think is underrated and one thing you think is overrated. So let's start with something that you think is underrated in the industry. What? Controversial one. So Elon Musk, uh, about six weeks ago, called for a halt on all AI um, development because we don't know where it's going. And that is true, right? So the pace of change, you know, in this space is so quick and we don't yet know where it's going. So he called for a six-month halt to developments. Now, the problem with that is he then launched an AI company about three three weeks later. So unpredictable, isn't he? Just, I don't know, I can't keep track anymore. So normally what happens is, you know, businesses find a use case a lot of innovation happens and then government and regulation 
catch up. But this is so transformative on all sorts of areas like copyright issues. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you legislate for IP and copyright in this new era? If you know your creativity was mined for the AI, is that yours? I mean, there's some really interesting music cases at the moment. Ed Sheeran's in court in New York. Mm. Did he take that Marvin Gaye riff? And then Drake, you know, an AI impersonated Drake. And I I don't know the exact number of downloads. Was it 100 million downloads of the AI personalised Drake? So how do you legislate for that environment is super interesting. So um, whilst I think it's overrated that we would halt this, that that could ever gain traction, I think underrated is probably the ethics and the legal issues. Because I think that's part of the issue, isn't it? The legislation can't really keep up with the speed at which it's advancing. Um, And I think we spoke about this in our news short uh, last week. And so how, how can we allow that time gap get a bit closer? Because what are the other options rather than putting a halt to the AI, which seems very detrimental because if some people put a halt, someone's going to gain the advantage, aren't they? They are going to gain the advantage. And there's there's a really interesting optimistic train of thought on AI that we need to train it on some really big human problems, right? How do we feed the world? How, how do we manage some really, you know, climate change issues? There's a school of thought that says, actually, our capacity for thinking our way through some of these really big problems is limited and we need the AI to actually help us get some of, you know, so we we shouldn't want to legislate to stop it, right? Because actually it could solve some really big impactful problems. But how can we frame it in a way um, that just puts some guardrails around it and enables people to see some, you know, train tracks, frameworks, however you want to call it, so they can create with some certainty i thought the grimes issue where she was suggesting that you know maybe 50 percent of the royalties were hers if you used her voice was a really interesting development in that space but that's new right that's no there's no legal precedent for that and it's i guess i mean you said this earlier it's one of those things that if, if you let ai start doing some of the things that people already do it saves humans saves people a lot of time to do other things and improve on things that only humans can do so what what would you say to some people that are still very fearful of AI and they don't have the kind of um the optimism as you were saying for the future of it because I think that it's a big that's a big mood going around isn't it it's very people don't understand it so they think oh don't get it terrified well the optimist in me I was speaking to someone who was in community marketing yesterday and for me that sort of approach alongside AI work brilliantly, right? So when you've got AI doing some of that heavy lifting, it frees up humans to do what humans are best at doing, which is making relationships and connections and building communities and supporting each other, meeting in real life. (laughs) You know, I see that events, I know there's a pandemic um, you know, spring back, but events are one of the marketing channels that are really back in growth, according to the IPA mm-hmm. Bellwether Report. And that's because people want, in this sort of world of technology, people want to see real people, look them in the eye and see whether they trust them. And I think 
AI and that sort of real, in real life marketing is going to come back in a really interesting way. So I would be predicting, you know, the heavy lifting, you know, let the, let the machine do the job the machine's better at and invest the time in creating, you know, be creating assets that machines can't yet do. Okay. So they can't yet do that transformational leap. So uh, there was a MIT study that was released um, back in March, which said AI is currently driving 40% productivity increases and 20% quality increases in output across a range of sectors. For my position where I sit, I think that's about right. The quality does go up, but not as much as the productivity changes. What it's not doing is the transformational leaps yet. The 100%, the doubling, the tripling, the skyrocketing yes. creative ideas that businesses also need. So it's it's the balance of those two two things, right? So free up the humans to do the creative. Free up the humans to train the AI. Free up the humans to teach other humans, right? Another one of my worries in this space is if AI is doing all the entry-level stuff, where's the next generation coming? The legacy gap, would you say? Yeah, how are we training the next generation? Because it's not going to be how I was trained. It's not going to be a a job with parameters and nine to fives and it's going to be about curiosity it's going to be about leaps it's going to be about figuring things out in real time on a on a job and taking all the data cues in and flexing your response that's what the new jobs in marketing are going to be about so do you think it would be fair to say then, if I was to massively summarise and overgeneralise everything you just said, that AI almost takes people away from tech? Let the tech, let the machines do what they've got to do and it leaves humans left to do human things. I, I think it's going that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has to go that way. You know, there are some marketing operation jobs that... Even I don't know how that works, right? Even Kate Cox. Even Kate Cox is like, <laughs> oh my God, the wizardry that is in some of these marketing operation roles. Do they need to happen? Or, or, or are they overseeing technology and AI being programmed to do that? Is, is it more of a strategic role and a guideline setting role? And actually, there's a lot of thinking that maybe marketing's coming full circle, right? And we have to get in, going back to the four P's of marketing and really figuring out whether the product is what people want. You know, is it priced right? Is the promotion right? Are we distributing it in the right place? So have we got the fundamentals of marketing right? Have we got a viral idea or a sticky idea that people want to pass on, people want to engage with? You know, is that is that... Is that where this whole movement is is moving towards? Let's hear a little bit about your best practice. Can you tell us about the most exciting project that you've worked on and how did you unlock AI with it? Oh, good question. So in, in this space, what we're trying to do is think of new angles to get people's interest and attention. So... One thing we're doing, uh, it's coming up, so it's not a previous project, um, is we're doing a comedy night. 
um, with comedians who are, I think comedians are the epitome of human, right? Mm -hmm. In the moment, that speed of agility of being able to understand the audience, the mass audience, what's being said and being able to create in the moment. So we're doing a comedy night with a panel of comedians. Um, I'm going to be arguing for the machines. We have an amazing creative um, who's going to be arguing for the humans and ag creative. And it's going to be hosted on ChatGPT. We're going to ask ChatGPT to manage the output and take questions from the audience. So that's kind of a really, what I'm trying to do there is think through what it means to be human in this world of machines and come up with some interesting angles on how that that works. I love that. I mean, you are right. Comedians are the epitome of humans because they make people feel so quickly. You can see, and it's their way their brains work, I will never understand. So how how are you going to be integrating ChatGPT with that? Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to ask ChatGPT, so we're going to give it a brief. And then we're going to give... Um, I can the, imagine it panicking, like, oh, i got a brief to fill now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to give it an ad creative brief and ask it to come back with some ideas. Um, and we're going to give it a typical performance marketing brief and ask it to come back with ideas. And then we're just going to see what the result is in the moment. Oh, so you don't know what it is. You're not pre-planning it at all. <laughs> no, well, we're, we're, we're thinking we'll get a comedian. Um, we're talking to a comedian who can write songs. So, you know, we'll be asking it questions, you know, write me some chords in the in the style of X. Okay, brilliant. And some, and some lyrics in the style of Y. And then they will play what, what, what comes up. And we're hoping to get a lot of audience participation. So what would their, you know, how, how can you challenge chat gpt on the most creative task and let, let's just all sit there and figure it out because when i've used it in the past it's brilliant for first drafts right? mm-hmm. it's brilliant for getting the obvious out so i there's a couple of ad agencies who are using it for brand positioning who put brand positioning for you know write me five brand positionings for x company and then they're rejecting everything it comes up with. Because if, if ChatGPT has come up with it, A, it's 2021. And B, it's the obvious route. Mm-hmm. It's, not the, it's not the transformational. It's not, it's, it's not the 200% route. So they're just using it as a baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, we're doing that for some of our social and blog posts. You know, here's the, here's the topic title. What's the obvious route? And then what's the transformational route that's, that pushes that further and drives that in a more interesting space? Because I think the voices that are original and the voices that have an interesting angle and can, are the ones that win in the new world because it isn't going to be just about the sheer volume of content. It'll be the originality of the... That's so true. And I think people are going to just want to sit back and watch what happens, you know, just to like really like see it all unfold. When When's this happening? Are, are there tickets? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. I'll tell you after. Hey, we get a free one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for divulging your best practice. But we've got to the uh, pretty serious end of the podcast now, uh, which is all about getting my attention. And this is the infamous PMW 
resell me a pen challenge. How are you feeling? Are you prepared? I am. I'm quite <laughs> excited about this one. I got a really lovely one. The resell me a pen challenge is a challenge where we challenge our guests to resell an outdated, old-fashioned object that has been replaced by some newer technology. And your one was chosen by our previous guests from Beavertown Brewery and Here Be Dragons. And they chose paper money. So yeah, you're going to have 60 seconds. But when you are ready, resell me paper money. I've just discovered this amazing development, right? So you know when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed and a lot of people lost money? Uh, You've heard of stories of, you know people losing their laptop and they had all their crypto wallets on there, left it at their parents, the parents threw it out of the loft, 10 million quid down. You've heard those stories, right? Um, And you've probably even closer to home had an experience when your mobile phone's been out of charge and you can't pay for anything, right? Because you've got no Wi-Fi and you can't pay for anything. That's really annoying. The invention I want to tell you about is something that's an in real life, it's in your hand. It is called paper money, right? It's a thing. It's like paper that you could give to anyone in the country and get goods and services back from it. And do you know what's even more amazing about this product is you can get it from holes in the wall. Like, it's (laughs) location-based. That would say you have done something which has never happened before on a PMW <laughs> podcast, which is you've taken it that paper money's never existed. <laughs> this is the first time. And it made so much sense, didn't I know, it? Right? <laughs> if I had only been born in the last five years and have never seen paper money before, I would have been like, why has no one thought of this before? <laughs> It's real trust. When your battery dies, you still have it. (laughs) Wow. Oh, God. I need to start getting harsher with these because, I mean, I don't know about the listeners. Tell me if you think I'm being over generous here, but I think you've resold me paper money. Oh, excellent. Well, you sold me in the first place because it never existed before. But, I mean, what what a use case, eh? (laughs) I know, right? So how did you feel about that when you got that? Did you think, oh, if this is a this is a winning task, or were you challenging to come up with that? Um, <laughs> I mean, I like you. <laughs> Don't use it very often. <laughs> um, but it's really annoying when your phone's out of charge, right? And you're like, how am I going to pay for it? Mm, <laughs> I know. Well, I actually I use it to save now. So whenever I you know I've, I save my money in cash that I kept from my my grandparents when I see them or here's a tenner you know and now I never spend it so when I do spend it it, because it doesn't leave your bank account it feels like free money yeah amazing right which is why I love it it's like like Amazon gift cards yeah (laughs) that you find five years later so what have you chosen for our, our next guest that will be coming into the studio oh it was really tough I wanted to choose a tech platform like one of those early social media platforms, because I think they were really interesting of their time. So it was a toss-up between MySpace and Friends Reunited. Nice. And I actually bumped for Friends Reunited because it was really important in my life. Oh, okay. Because it looked... Can we why? Oh! <laughs> Well, you know, you look up all your old school friends, right? (laughs) 
see what they're up to and what yeah, they look like now. Yeah. Uh, it had a really interesting use case and it was clearly a, um, a front runner to some of the, 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 the emerging platforms. But how mm. would you send, how would you resell Friends Reunited now? Like what's the, what's the angle? Yeah, well, that's, that's not for me to answer, thank God. So, well, Kate, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for being a guest on Performance Marketing Unlocked. You have unlocked AI. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much, Lucy. <laughs> thank you very much for everyone that has come to listen to this episode with Kate Cox. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, leave us a review because it all means a lot to us. And if you want to get more involved, as if this episode wasn't enough, you can get involved, ask questions to the podcast and future guests in our LinkedIn community, PMW Unlocked, where you can interact with the guests, send in questions, take part in polls and get exclusive insights from previous and future speakers at the Unlocked event. And that's all from us. But you can get all you need to know about performance marketing, daily news, trends and reports, at performancemarketingworld.com. See you next time.